Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. New year, new pod. Lots of exciting stuff on the horizon here. Starting off the brand new year. I hope you had a fantastic year. Got lots of hot chocolate. Didn't catch COVID like I did. And got to relax a little bit because that's what the holidays are all about. It's relaxing, recharging, getting fresh. And now that we're in a new calendar year, everything is different, right? Mm, maybe not, but we're going to hope it is anyway. Today's guest is Mike Nichols, a rapper, musician, author, very interesting person who is talking all about his brand new book and album, Bars for Days. It's full of music, an autobiography, lots of interesting stories. And you can get it right now because it's out and it's available and it is delightful. Mike has lived a very interesting life, as I mentioned. He's traveled a ton of different places. We're talking all about that, all about his upbringing in the music industry, how all kinds of serendipitous things have seemed to happen to him, and it's led to so many cool moments, and we're chatting about it all. Mike, of course, as we discovered during the podcast, I said of course, like we all know this, but we learned during the podcast, Mike is also a graduate of the University of Miami, go Canes, so if you don't like the Hurricanes, you're going to have to skip over like four minutes of this podcast, but otherwise, you're going to love every minute of it, and if you're a Canes fan, whoosh, whoosh, let's go. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. And as always, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podchaser, Good Pods, any of those wonderful podcast directories, and drop a five-star review, I will be forever indebted to you. And now here's the conversation with Mike. For people who don't know who you are, can you give us your elevator pitch? And can you also tell us the type of elevator that we're riding on? <laughs> Hey, uh, yeah, my name is Mike Nichols, and I'm an MC and a musician out of New York City. Um, I record and I've been performing for years, either on a solo basis or with my band. And um, now I'm officially an author, just released my autobiography called Bars for Days. And um, yeah, I'm just a generally positive person trying to, trying to push people forward. And you mentioned Bars for Days. It's both a book and an album, which is pretty unique. Uh, people can can download via QR code and and check out the autobiography as well. So, what was the idea behind that? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I just I just wanted to do something different. I think, you know, performing with my band for years for a while, selling CDs after shows was like was like just given. You know, we'd sell 10, 20 CDs every show. You know, and um towards the end of that run where I had a residency with my band, um, it just started to get to the point where people would start to be like, man, I don't even have a CD player. So kind of like started with, with that because I was thinking like, man, what else, what else can I do, you know, to do something different? And then it just dawned on me because I had been thinking about documenting my life. I just, I've just had a crazy life. I've met a lot of interesting people and done a lot of amazing things. And I just wanted to document it. And um doing an actual documentary is like thousands of dollars, which I didn't have. And um, I decided to go back to school a few years ago at University of Miami to finish my degree. You. At the U, exactly. <laughs> and I, I was finishing online and I had a class called Writing the Autobiography. And I was just excelling at all my writing classes. And my professor was just super encouraging. And she was like, hey, you should do it. You should just like turn this into a book. And I was like, okay. So I started kind of, you know, working on my ideas and things like that not realizing how much work it would be. 
And then when COVID hit, I actually just had like a year off at home and I just took advantage. And every day, like three, four or five hours a day, I would just sit and write until I wrote this whole story. And I'm just super excited about it, you know? So, and that along with the music is just a unique experience because the book kind of takes you to the point in my life where I write and record this album. So you kind of get to see like everything that leads up to that moment. And actually me in the studio, in the book, I'm in the studio working on these tracks and like what's going on in my head while I'm recording. So it's a really cool interactive experience to get to know me while you get to know this music. I love seeing Miami grads. I also went to Miami, so always love seeing fellow Canes doing big things, yes. That's what's up, (laughs) Canes up in here. (laughs) Yes, whoosh, whoosh. Playing right now, actually, the basketball team. That, uh, oh, I mean, that early 11:30 a.m. starts. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I know. I do not. Uh, I'm still. I'm just hurt. <laughs> I'm just hurting about the football team. Honestly, it's just, it's painful right now. So, yeah, we got the yeah. new coach, so that's gonna be exciting. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's hope on the horizon, as uh, I think as so. there seems to be every three years, and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was actually the, the, same spot. the first time I was there was actually the last time we won the championship. I was there during that. Time. Oh, nice. And that that's was good insane. timing. Yeah, and then things went to hell <laughs> for a while after yes. that. So, yeah. Yes, I got there basically right after the all the good stuff happened. So oh man, had a had a lot of history to look back on, but nothing really. In the <laughs> yeah, right. Times. Now you mentioned you've met a lot of interesting people along the way. Mm-hmm. Do you have someone who's the most interesting? Man, there's so many. I mean, I, <laughs> while I while I was in Miami, I worked at a comedy club and actually became like the, the bar manager. And through that experience, um, I just met so many people. I met OJ Simpson <laughs> at the <laughs> bar a few times. And like we were like on a first name basis because my boss was like his his friend. He was so proud to be OJ's friend, which I thought was dark and weird. But yeah, <laughs> it just was. And um, also, like I was just driving. So part of my job was I was the radio liaison for the club. So I used to pick up these guys and drive them to do radio remotes all afternoon. And um I mean, during that experience, I was hanging out with Tracy Morgan, which I talk about in the book, which is a really, really interesting time. Um, Dave Chappelle and Dane Cook and just all these amazing, amazing comedians. Um, Tommy Chong from Teachers Chong was interesting. Um, Charlie Murphy is a funny story that's in there. Um, and then later, you know, I've always liked to get by for a long time. I just I just bartended to get by while I was working on my musical craft. And I got to New York and I picked up a job randomly at a jazz club called Smoke Jazz Club, which ended up being this famous, world famous jazz club that's super tiny, like comically tiny. And um, through that, I got to meet like some of the, just the greatest jazz musicians in the world and and spend time with them, like Jimmy Cobb, who was the drummer from Kind of Blue on Miles Davis's record. And um, Harold Mayburn, who was just a famous pianist who actually just passed away a couple years ago. Um, so yeah, I just and then of, of course I just being an MC, like I've just met so many really amazing underground MCs and spent a lot of time with them and um just you know comprehensively my life I just I just tend to kind of like bounce into people that are just really interesting. Like I didn't talk about it, but I even like met Kevin Hart when he was coming up and stuff like that. And we were like about the same age. So we used to go, I mean, him and I used to like go to this club and try and pick up chicks and no one knew who we were. <laughs> <laughs> no one knew who Kevin Hart was, you know, and stuff like that. So it's, it was, it's, it's been a good time. It's been a good run, you know. I'm looking yeah, forward to more. 
Definitely lots of uh, interesting. And I think that's something that's cool about the music industry in general is that you do get those opportunities to meet really cool people. And like, yeah, maybe it's before they end up being huge celebrities or maybe it's just a random person you might never see again. But they, you know, the the night just sticks with you because of interaction. It's always so cool. Sure. You don't got to be famous to be special. There's tons of, I mean, there's, I've met so many <clears throat> music just attracts like an interesting breed of people in general. Especially in a city like New York. Um, just lots of, lots of characters. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In New York and, and being at a jazz club, I mean, jazz, jazz fans are, are neurotic and quirky just because I think when you listen to that frequency and that rhythm at that intensity for so long, it has to do something to your brain. So they're, <laughs> they're like very quirky like ocd uh type of people but really also very smart really smart people yeah so it's never a dull moment when you're in a, in, a, in a room where there's music that's for sure absolutely and of course having played so many different shows and and been to all these different venues and all that i always like to ask this what's the worst gig you've played <laughs> i mean i've i've definitely you, you have your share um I mean, I've had gigs where like the PA doesn't work. I, we we did this show in Brooklyn. I don't want to shout out the the club because it's just I know the owner and he's cool. And he he had us over, and the room was great. The there was a nice crowd, and and then the sound was just the worst I've ever experienced. Like the microphone was in and out constantly. They were constantly like, <laughs> they were constantly trying to, you know fix the sound right in the middle and there's feedback and 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 you know when you're you're a musician when you're on stage you just need to like power through it and pretend it's not happening but like inside you're like seething because you're like you just want to go out and like do a nice show and present something nice to your fans who spent money to come out and time you know so that was that was that was one of them um and that happens here and there i mean you just you just get that you get venues that just aren't prepared for especially like a band like my band is nine pieces all together when we're in full force and there's just clubs that just aren't prepared for it (laughs) at all you know yeah it's it's always interesting to really just to see like a a club or you know arena not arena i'm not playing arenas but like just like setups um and yeah how you can kind of tell if like the sound person is maybe in over their head uh, yeah, and, and I think I think when something goes wrong, like how they handle it, that's partially um, where you can tell too. If they're kind of like you know calm, collected, they're like, okay, this has happened before, and they've solved it. Like that's all right. But if they're just like, I don't know what's wrong, then it's oof. It's and that, that's exactly what was happening at said gig. They had no idea. I was literally <laughs> while my trumpet player would be like doing a solo, I would literally like jump out and like try to mess with the board <laughs> before, and then run back on stage and do my part or whatever, you know. So. Which is the last thing that the, the front man should be doing is going to try to help with the sound in the middle of a, in the middle <laughs> of his set, right? It just looks terrible, but it was what it was. Everyone was understanding, and you know we had a good time regardless. But yeah, I think as long as you don't look too panicked, everyone's just like, "Oh, it's like a quirky thing he's doing. It's part of the part of the act." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> now you have uh, you've been talking about this man. I don't know if we've said the name though. Nickel and Dime Ops, I which. A nine-piece band. There's trumpets in it, so it's kind of like a, a hip-hop jazz fusion sort of uh, 
amalgamation of different sounds. Look at that fancy vocab word I'm throwing in here. I love that. Uh, that's a, that's <laughs> that. That's at University of Miami right there. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, so, how did how did that get started? And how is it kind of like another creative outlet for you? Yeah. Um, so nickel and dime ops started, like I said, I, I picked up this job randomly at a jazz club, which is so weird. Cause I was like, I don't want to work at a venue. I just want to work at a club and make lots of money. You know, that was my plan. And this, this kind of like tricky Craigslist ad drew me up to the upper West side, all the way from Brooklyn. And, um, I, I, I ended up getting there and I just needed a job so bad. And they were the only ones that wanted to hire me. So I just, I just took this job at a jazz club and, um, for a while, I didn't tell anyone that I was a musician because I didn't want anyone to think like I was there with ulterior motives to like take advantage of being around the musicians because I wasn't. I literally just found out on Craigslist. But through time, as I became friends with people and as I started releasing some of my first solo projects, um, it started becoming people started becoming aware of what I was doing. And they were like, man, your stuff is really good. Like we should make a band. And I was kind of resistant to it at first because I had a group that was kind of like a band when I was down in Miami called The Lynx. And I, I love The Lynx, but it was just like a lot of like personalities and stuff. And I was just ready to kind of move past that and just kind of like work by myself. And um, it just kind of kept coming to my face. And um, when I found out my son was about to be born, I was about to be a dad. I was just felt like I really needed to like do this Hail Mary um, to like keep my career alive as a musician, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, I just I just called a bunch of guys that I had met that had befriended. And I was like, hey, would you guys want to just do like, like this experimental album with me? And they were like, yeah, cool. And um, we went into Smoke. The owner of Smoke, Paul Stash, came in. He's a, he's a producer and engineer as well. So he helped me mic everything up. And I went in there with these musicians that had the same format, seven pieces of band. And um, I had all these ideas in my head that I had been recording in my mic. And we just started jamming those out. And as I'll get like four bar or eight bar loops that I heard that I liked, I'm like, okay, we're cool. And I went home with that and I turned that into an album, which was eventually called Tragedy and Comedy. And um, I asked the owners of Smoke, I said, hey, would you mind if we do an album release party late night on a Thursday? I know you guys don't ever have hip hop. They, like if someone would rap at the open mic, they would take them off stage. That's how serious they were about like <laughs> straight ahead bebop. And um they let me do it, you know, on the strength of our relationship. And um, it was a, just a big success. We packed the house. It was packed till like 4 a.m. Like the, the club hadn't been that vibrant in years, honestly. And um, I kind of just went on with it thinking like, hey, that, that was cool. You know, what do we do next? And about two weeks later, the owners called me. They were both on speakerphone and they were just like, hey, man, would you want to do this every week? And I was like, really? Like, I just never... <laughs> thought it was even a possibility and I just you know I went with it and that that eventually became how Nickel and Dime Mops kind of formed because my musical director and friend trombone player David Gibson he made all the charts and he helped me put the band together and you know when you're playing every week and you're through the first couple six months or so we were kind of like shuffling through players trying to find who was right fit and really working on our sound and from that, it just became this thing where we just kind of like, as we harnessed this, this collective chi that we had as a, mus as a musical group, we just were like, well, all right, let's record more. All right, well, let's go play other places. Let's, and we ended up playing at the Blue Note and we ended up playing at Joe's Pub. We ended up playing, 
getting flown to Athens, Greece uh, in 2017 to do this huge festival on the main stage. And, um, you know, we got to do all these things on the strength of just this kind of idea that just kind of came together because the universe kind of demanded it. It was not, it was not really my idea up front. It just, it just kind of just made sense. And we just went with the flow, you know? I like the, that you had said with the, um, album release that you were able to do it on the strength of your relationship. And I think that's a terrific lesson for really anyone. Not everyone who listens to this podcast is a musician, but any sort of like business idea or project or anything that you're working on, like people want to help out people that they like. And I think if you had gone in immediately and were like, yeah, I'm a musician, like here I am. Like, I think the way you approach it is so smart of let's make a connection first, like outside of this, instead of just like, what can you do for me? And then when the opportunity came, they were like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. If you, if you just, it's like that with anything in life, man, if you show up to, you know, they call it eager beaver. Or one of my friends calls it. If you just show up to like hungry, people push you away. Cause if they're not ready, if they're not ready for you, they're just not, it's just like that. Like if you find someone you're attracted to, you can't just show up and be like, you're dating me. It's like, no, like, <laughs> Hey, how you doing? I'm actually kind of smart and funny. You want to get to know me, right? You know what I mean? So it's the same premise, I think, right? With anything. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I also like, hey, you're dating me. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you can pull that off, God bless. Go do it. <laughs> As an opener, yeah. I uh, I don't think I've actually seen that work in person, but <laughs> I have sure someone's, someone's done it at some point. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you got to be really probably rich and, and good looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you've been kind of talking about how with the uh with bars for days how it's a it's an interactive experience with people and they get to they get to know you kind of behind the music as well and i think that's just such an important thing for any musician anyone trying to build up their brand is to have that kind of interactivity so especially over the last two years when we've had pandemic life what if what are some of the other ways that you've found to connect with your fans i just um I mean, social media is, is great. Obviously, you know, everyone knows that by this point, you know, when it first came out and everyone just like Tia Tequila blew up from MySpace or whatever. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God, what's happening? Right. But now it's kind of calmed down. And you kind of just realize that it's just a great way to find like minded individuals and to, you know, exemplify who you are through the way you post and the way you talk, but also, you know, the way you interact with everybody. It's really specifically for me, like Instagram has been really positive i've found so many fans just by like seeing who people I, I look for fans that are fans of musicians or or artists that are similar to me you know and i try to like reach out to them and it's it's been really successful there's a lot of people that are true fans now they listen to my music they buy my merchandise and books because we just make a connection you know and that's it just just going back to it just being real with people you know you, you can't just be fake and try to like force the issue you just gotta let it kind of flow natural you know it's like that with anything in life. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the main thing. But also, like, you know, when you're out doing shows, that's a that's a great way to just interact with fans because they get so involved in the music. And then, you know, if, I, I always like to hang after and have a couple of beers with everyone and get to get to know everybody. You know, so that was that's having that residency was great for that, too. I really got to know my fans on a deep level just because I would go perform and it was like they were part of it. They would sing along and clap along and we'd go hang out afterwards. and. You know, what's the beer of choice? Um, lately, uh, I just kind of been an IPA man for the last several years, and and 
I'm not generally too particular. I do like Lagunitas if I can find it. It's just a nice smooth IPA. Um, I don't like, I don't like run of the mill beer too much. It just doesn't have much flavor and it's usually like too much watery, too watery. It makes me pee a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> you drink Bud or Miller. I mean, it's cool if that's what you're into, you know, but for me, I, I just like a nice stout IPA usually or something like that. Nice. You're, uh, <laughs> you're on your own with that one. But, but I also um, drink tequila yeah. mostly. <laughs> honestly most of the time i drink tequila straight and just chase it with water <laughs> that's old oh. bartender my old bartender tendencies you know <laughs> i mean you know what you're getting into with that so at least that's that's good yeah of course i do that's what i'm looking for <laughs> <laughs> i think something else that's interesting is so back in the the days you know before even like aol instant messenger shout out to aim and all that Hip hop was very much about just like the interactions you'd have with people, like a very like culture heavy background. And I think it's interesting to see how it's evolved into the information age. You know, like we're talking about social media. We're always on our phones. Like we've got and we'll, some people probably have chips at this point already implanted into their brains and all of that good stuff. So how how do you kind of keep the the sort of like culture and like relationship elements, which are a big part of hip hop? in this sort of like information age where it's very technology heavy too. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think there's just, there's really like a, a divergence has evolved in the hip hop world between. And I think a lot of it is the information age and the people that grew up in it that just quite frankly, don't have much of an attention span, like the way that people like myself who grew up before computers and phones were available. You just kind of, you kind of just absorb things differently. So I think that there's a big correlation to why, like when you listen to nineties hip hop, there's this like heavy message with, with depth to it, you know, and there's the music has all these, like the samples are just layered in all these intricate ways. It's, it's just a lot of depth to nineties hip hop, which is why a lot of people call it golden age hip hop. And a lot of the stuff that comes out in the mainstream today, there's, there's not much depth. You can literally just, kind of take it at face value and 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 if you miss th three lines it's not going to make much of a difference if you <laughs> if you interpreted that verse you know correctly you know what i mean yeah um so for me i think just because i'm just so heavily rooted myself in that era and also in the culture like i grew up with hip-hop which is kind of like the main premise of the book like i was born in the late 70s and so was hip-hop and I mean, when I was a little kid, we would sneak to listen to it on college stations because that was the only place you could find rap music. You know, what I mean, they wouldn't play it on the main radio stations and um, and we grew together. So, like, there's just this different connection and it's what I represent just naturally, innately who I am. So I feel like there's there's the divergence. So the people, you know, the people that generally have short attention spans and listen to the Migos and things like that. They're probably, I mean, most of them, I quite honestly, might not be into the way I present my music, you know what I mean? And, and the way I present myself as an artist. But then there's a whole sect of people that just really do, and they don't have to be from an older era. There's plenty of young kids that just have, I think, deeper senses of perception and, 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 and like a desire for substance, you know? There's, there's plenty of young people that, that, that reach out to me that, that like that, you know what I mean? But there's a divergence. There's almost two. There's almost two senses of of the rap world right now in that regard. You know what I mean? So, 
I think I'm answering your question the right way. <laughs> um, I think it's just what I what I am. You know, I just am that culture. So the people that want it gravitate towards it. Absolutely. And you've got a new song that just dropped. As well, when this episode airs, it might be out for like a month or so. But either way, still a new song. I Sky City featuring Teen AF and. I'm always excited. Like I, I have always been a huge music video fan. Like I think it's always, I if a song is a single and doesn't have a music video, I get so upset. I like even a lyric video, I'll take. But I'm like, like, like a real, a yeah. real video with some some things going on. So, of course, during the pandemic, a little harder to shoot videos unless you're you know all separately like quarantining yourself. But you two are out and about and and out in the city and all that. So what was what was that like to shoot the shoot a music video and kind of have like almost almost a sense of normalcy to things? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the, the pandemic because my other video, the, the single that came up before that, "Rappers Don't Smile," we we heavily considered, you know, COVID and and the implications of going out and shooting this video, and um, that's why just me and my friend who was the director actually just sh- actually went out and shot, and then we got all these rappers who sent in videos of them either like scowling or like scowling and then smiling. Cause that's the whole sense of concept of the song is that rappers just don't smile in general. Like it's just kind of a, a hip hop thing. So like we, we, we took COVID in, into consideration in that regard when we shot that and it came out great. It was really cool. Just seeing everybody like in their own element in their homes or whatever. And then just me and my guy out in Brooklyn, just shooting alone for safety purposes. Oh, um, when I shot Sky City, that was in August. And um, I don't know. I, I really feel like as this year progressed, it's definitely not, I, it's definitely far from over. But I think by that time, the fact that a lot of people had gotten vaccinated, there's just, there's just a different comfort level, you know, about being out in public. You know what I mean? So, but once again, honestly, the only people that I really came in contact with were, the, the cameraman who shot the video with me and then the people that helped me out in regards to doing the the jump, the, the tandem jump, you know, the guy that was with me and everything like that. So it was pretty limited to who I was in contact with. So I wasn't really concerned with that so much being vaccinated already, you know, and I really pretty sure I had it like right at the offset when it came out last the year before. So I, I, I think I have the antibodies on top of the vaccine. So I wasn't overly worried about it. I wouldn't go into a big crowd. You know, I wouldn't do a mosh pit scene. Sure. <laughs> but going out and having a few people around me didn't didn't deter me very much. Nice, nice. And are you already cooking up? Do you have other singles you're planning to release with, with yeah. videos in the hopper already or, or on, on deck or things like that? Yeah. Um, so we already shot The Phantom, which was going to come out mid-January. We haven't figured out the exact date yet. We're going to let the kind of like the holidays settle and everyone kind of get back like reconfigure themselves and then i'm gonna drop the phantom uh which i shot in greenpoint um in this really old like 150 year old church that had been shut down for like 20 years i had just happened to know this like from my days at smoke i know this real estate mogul herb hirsch shout out to herb hirsch who owns this old church which has these frescoes on the ceiling and pillars and like these huge it's just this huge grandest church and he's turning it into a commerce, uh, like a center that's going to have like food and stuff like that and shops. So he's in the process of renovating it. And he just let me in there and just shoot. So 
the Phantom, I'm like the Phantom of the Opera kind of. So I got like like a real nice mask, and I got like a blazer on. But then I got like my baggy jeans and my Air Force Ones and my tab, <laughs> and I'm like this like hip hop Phantom running around this this church, <laughs> which is gonna be it's really cool. It came out really good. It's already directed. I mean, uh, edited. It was directed by um Jamal Hall, great director. And uh, yeah, that one's gonna come out next. And I'm trying to coordinate with Method Man to see if I can get up with him in January to see if we can do a shoot for the song that we did, which is obviously really exciting for me because, you know, he's just one of my heroes. So I'm just so honored that he he respected my craft enough to be on this album. Yeah, that'll be fantastic to get that that video going. I I'm sure I'm sure he'll do it. That's cool. He'd do it. Sounds it, like yeah. it's, it sounds like it's going to happen. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to happen. We've been we've been trying to coordinate. We were we were actually going to do it in November, but then he got picked. He picked up like some some uh, acting gigs that he had to go tend to. So you know, it's like, all right, man. Well, if you're getting paid like you know millions of dollars, I guess I could. <laughs> I guess, I could <laughs> I guess that's a fine excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And that segues nicely into another question I always like to ask, which is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And for you, it's what do you see your future being like? Yeah, man. Um, that, that's a good question. Um, so I definitely really enjoyed writing. So I would like to write some more books. I always thought like I would get into like script writing because I took some of that while I was at the U and I did pretty well with that. And I might do that too, but I, I definitely want to write, you know, this album is is not it's nonfiction. It's about me, obviously. Um, but getting through, I wrote it like it's fiction. So I really feel like I can get I'm trying to I've been trying to think of concepts. I want to get into like some kind of like this this topic, uh sci-fi, almost like Brave New World 1984, but something different, like a, my own concept. So I've been trying to like think about that. You know, I'm it's just because I mean, in general, I, I am kind of like a futurist, like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur as well. Me and my friends from the U, we started a company which kind of got derailed by COVID, but we're still trying to get it off the ground where we've actually like designed houses that like sustain their own energy and reduce water and um, just really stuff like this world needs right now. And so, so they have their own greenhouses and stuff like that where you can you can grow your own hydroponic uh vegetables right in your greenhouse go right from your kitchen and go get them and cook so i'm just constantly thinking about the future i, I think about humanity a lot i just want to i just want to have an effect and like just help make changes for the positive you know so that's those those why i'm kind of drawn towards things like that love it love it all right well mike you're almost off the hook here but we always like to wrap up with a top three and you've mentioned a couple of spots that you've been to in your world travels but what are your top three places you visited yeah um well first off i don't feel like i'm on the hook at all because i'm enjoying this conversation (laughs) we can talk as long as you like um i've I've been to a lot of really really amazing places and um obviously one of the most amazing is is just i I visited the the giza pyramids in egypt which is just mind-blowing and i talk about that going there and while we were there, they were they were going through Ramadan, so it was like a really interesting time to be there because like they were cranky by day but happy by night because they were hungry all day. But and then they would like sing and rejoice. So there's like a scene where like we come around the Great Pyramid um, of Khufu, and I actually stopped because I I noticed like a piece of rock that looked like it had broken off the pyramid, and I wanted to 
take a rock a piece with me that was one of my goals and i was looking and i was like comparing it to the actual like the actual giant stones and i'm pretty sure it is because it's supposed to be limestone and they didn't have limestone there but anyways i as i go forward my friends like stopped in their tracks and they're just looking you can just see cairo below you i don't know if you ever really seen it but like the pyramids kind of like overlook cairo like the actual city and the entire city is just like was all we're all singing and you can hear like like literally thousands, maybe millions of people all like singing at once and like the sun and the breeze and like the pyramids. It was really amazing. Um, we just did a lot of stuff like that. And that's another thing that I've, I've been working on with my buds is, is, a, is a travel show, which we call Temple Hunters, where we're going to kind of like search out these old ancient um, different sites and see how they correlate to like, I don't know if you're familiar with the myths. Everyone knows Atlantis, but then there's another one called called Mu or Lemuria, which was, from, was supposed to be like around where Hawaii is. And there's all these like legends all around the world that correlate to that. So um, another place we went to in that regard was Peru, you know, going to Machu Picchu, the morning of the spring equinox. And we just, we did a hike and, and for like four days and we showed up at sunrise and it was really intense. And then um, finally, my dad, um, who I really never really knew well, but I just feel related to the culture is from Cuba. And in 2006, I actually went to Cuba. And that's one of my other favorite places I loved. I loved Havana. I mean, it's just such an interesting place because it's so there's a lot of poverty because of the embargo between the embargo and this oppressive government. And there's no money and and but the people are just so happy. And it's just such a beautiful thing. It's just like, no matter how hard their lives are, they're not going to let it get them down and they they sing in the streets and make music in the streets and they whenever they would find out that I was Cuban they would just take me in and the old ladies would cook for me it was just it was just a beautiful experience so Egypt Peru Cuba definitely top three I have to say honorable mentions Japan Tokyo was amazing Belize Guatemala Amsterdam it's all so many amazing places I've been so see the world please if you're listening if I can give you any advice, just see the world, get out of your, get out of your bubble. And it's just going to change your perspective on life. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I've actually only been to uh, Peru out of that list of yours, but uh, several on my list uh, in terms of places to visit. And I wholeheartedly agree. Do the Inca Trail if you're going to Machu Picchu instead of taking the train. It's an extra four days and a lot, a lot more hiking at high altitudes but oh it's so yeah. it's so gorgeous it was just amazing man and did you go on the side when you're on the like those steps on the side of the of, of the mountain yes where the, yeah <laughs> my boy like i talk about it in the book i don't know if you got that part but he like he like lost it we were out there because it's like three thousand feet in the air mm-hmm. everyone that's listening and there's no guardrails and you literally have the mountain on one side of you and then you have three thousand feet down on the other side of you so if you screw up you're kind of screwed and uh, my boy like lost it and we're like come on man we had to like we had to like motivate him but we he made it he made it (laughs) nice nice yeah that's always uh i remember i did a a dominican republic volunteer trip back in college and there were a couple places where we you know it'd be like an adventure thing we're doing and you'd get to a body of water and literally the only way to continue forward was to jump off of the hillside which was 
I don't know, at, at most maybe like 30 or 40 feet. So not like, not an insignificant height, but not, you know, not 3,000 feet, yeah. like crazy like that. And there would be a couple times where people would just like freeze up and they were like, nope, I can't jump in there. And we're like, well, we're all in the water. <laughs> like the option is you can walk like an hour and a half back the other way or, you or just, can't. or just, you know, deal, deal yeah. with it. And it was always interesting because it would like rotate. It wasn't like the same people being. Uh, being afraid like there'd be someone who the day before had jumped what appeared to be a higher and like more dangerous cliff and then this one for whatever reason there was like one rock nearby where they were like nope i'm gonna hit that rock and i, I, love, I love that stuff we did that in belize we jumped we and the same thing my one of my buddies was like a kung fu instructor and like toughest dude like you would ever want to have with you you know out in the street completely froze on this it was probably like the same thing about 30 feet high by this waterfall and I was like, you guys aren't going? Watch out. <laughs> the cannonball. But yeah, those are fun times, man. And that's that's kind of the whole point of the book, you know, man. It's like, I really think I, that you need to step outside of your comfort zone to really have, like, optimal experiences in life. I mean, you could totally have a fine, fulfilling life. I'm not saying you can't, like, if you just stay home and and you work nine to five and you never leave the town you grew up in. That's, that's cool. I mean, if you have a great family and you're happy, that's cool. I'm not saying knocking it, but what I'm saying is at some point, I just highly encourage just do something that you're, you've never done before. Go somewhere you you're not comfortable. And I guarantee you the experiences that you're going to get out of that are going to stay with you for a lifetime. And they're just, they're just really special moments. You know, I know you get it as a traveler as well, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. So everyone get out and travel. And in the meantime, while you're while you're booking or, you know, it's it, you're probably not booking something for tomorrow. So while you're in that sort of waiting period, check out everything that Mike Nichols is doing. Where can we find you? The website, of course, is spotmeanickel.com. Like, can I borrow a nickel? Spot me a nickel. Um, there you can find everything. Also, all my um, all my socials are just at Mike Nichols, which is M-I-C-N-I-C-K-E-L-S. Um, you can find me at Instagram mostly. Um, and the book bars for days is on Amazon. So just Mike Nichols bars for days. You can do a search. You'll find it. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Get in touch with me. If you do get it, if you listen to the music, hit me up, let me know what you think. Cause I really love hearing all the feedback. I appreciate it. Fantastic. Well, Mike, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Love chatting with a fellow Kane. Yes, sir. That's a nice surprise. Really nice to meet you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise, and of course, we've got to wrap up with a corny joke, and we'll keep it musical-themed. Why did the pianist keep banging his head against the piano? Why? He was playing by ear. (laughs) Get after it today, people. I will tell my kids that later. (laughs) Yes, please do. Please spread the bad jacks. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 